tells him, go to my house, in a specific corner over there, there's my Sashani money, and he tells him the amount of my Sashani money which is there. And the son goes, and he finds the same amount of money, but in a different corner. The question is, does he assume that that money is my Sashani money, and it was moved from one corner to another, or does he assume it's different money altogether? And the answer is, he can assume that the new money is Chulin, and the my Sashani money was just removed somewhere else. And the reason for this is because since there was no money in this location before, we use the principle of rave of the majority to say that since most money is chulin, we assume that the money which is put in this location is chulin. And this money has no halachic connection, if you like, to the Maishashani money which was in the other corner. The reason being that it was in a different location. However, says the mission, if it was in the same location, and the father told him, he told him, you'll find in that corner 100 zuz of Maishashani money. And the son goes, and he finds there is money in that corner, however, he found 200 zuz in that corner. So do we assume that there were 100 zuz was removed and 200 zuz was put back, of chulin money, or do we assume that 100 zuz was just added to it? So the answer is, since it's in the same location, and we knew there was 100 zuz here before, and there still is at least 100 zuz over here now, so we use the principle of chazaka, which means that we assume something remains in the same state as it was previously, so since we know as a fact that there was Maishashani money in this corner before, and that is still possible, so the principle of Chazaka tells us that we need to assume that the 100 Zuz over there is still considered Maishashani. And therefore, Hasha'or Cholin, the rest of it, only 100 of the 200 Zuz is Cholin, we assume that was added, but 100 Zuz will remain Maishashani, as we explained. Now what happens if the father says, Mosayim, there's 200 Zuz of Maishashani money there, and the son goes, but Umotsamone, he only found 100 Zuz. Says the Mishnah, Hakol Maisa, all of the 100 Zuz is considered Maisasheni, since once again we use the principle of Chazaka, and that would tell us that since it's in the same location, we assume it's the same money as was there before. It's true half of it was removed, but that which is there we assume to be the Maisasheni money which the father knew was there originally, and therefore he would have to treat the 100 Zuz as Maisasheni. Perik Hay, the final Perik of the Masechta, at least the first half of it, discusses something called Netaravoi. The Torah says that when you plant a fruit tree, for the first three years of that fruit tree's life, all of the fruit on the tree are totally forbidden to eat or to even benefit from. And that is known as the prohibition of Orla. That's during the first three years. Now the fourth year fruit, all of the fruit which grew during the fourth year, are known as Netaravoi, and they need to be brought up to Yerushalayim and eaten over there. So you can already see there's a similarity between Netaravoi and Maishashani. Now the similarity goes further because if you can't bring up all of the fruit to Yerushalayim, or if it's difficult for you to transport all of it, you're allowed to redeem it onto money, bring the money up to Yerushalayim, and spend the money on food in Yerushalayim. Sounds very familiar. And it's for that reason that the Masechta dedicates half a perek to discuss the halachas of Netaravoi in Maishashani, because there are many similarities between the two. Now, although the Mishnah will refer to Kerem Revoi, which refers to fourth-year fruit in a vineyard specifically, that's only because, according to one opinion, the whole concept of Netaravoi only applies to vineyards. However, most paskin that it applies to all fruit trees, and according to that opinion in the Gemara, whenever the Mishnah refers to Kerem Revoi, it should really say Netaravoi. Be it as it may, since it's forbidden to eat Netaravoi outside of Yerushalayim, if somebody has Kerem Revoi, a vineyard which is in its fourth year, and as we explained, this would apply to all other fields as well, of fruit trees, 
The halacha is that mitzayin in oisai, one needs to place a mark and a signal next to them because of adama of large pieces of earth. They would place pieces of, of hard earth next to such trees and next to such vineyards in order to warn people this is a revoy field. And at least according to this opinion in our Mishnah, the main concern is a thief. If a thief comes and steals your fruit, he won't know that it's a revoy field, and he'll end up violating the prohibition of eating net revoy outside of Yerushalayim. And therefore, in order to warn him that it's a revoy field, it needs to be signaled. Vishal Orla, and if somebody has a field or a vineyard of Orla fruit in the first three years, the Charsis, he should signal it, he should put clay next to it, and that would become the signal which was known as the Orla signal. Now, the reason why they would use these specific signals and marks is in order to highlight a very significant difference between Orla and Revoi. As we explained, just like Maisa Shani, Netarvoi can be redeemed onto money, which means that the fruit which are Netarvoi, although right now they are forbidden to be eaten outside of Yerushalayim, there is a way for them to become permitted. And so there is a way for you to benefit from it even outside of Yerushalayim. And in that way, it's similar to the earth. Because earth, as it is, you can't benefit from earth straight away. However, there is a way if you plant earth and you plow it and you go through the whole processing of the earth, then in the future you will be able to benefit from the earth. So in that way it's similar to Revoya, which although right now it's forbidden to benefit from outside of Yerushalayim, in the future it can become permitted by redeeming it. On the other hand, Orla cannot be redeemed. You don't bring up your Orla to Yerushalayim, Orla is completely forbidden. And that's why the signal of Orla is clay, because clay can never really be planted, so you'll never be able to benefit from clay in the same way as you can benefit from earth. Now while we're on the topic of signaling areas, the Mishnah says we shall kavarais, graves, these need to be signaled, because if somebody walks over a grave, he becomes Tomei. Number one, Karnim can't become Tomei. And number two, if you do become Tomei, you need to know that you became Tomei, so that you don't come to eat my sashini, for example, until you purify yourself, and for all the other laws which apply to a Tomei person, so one needs to know whether he's Tomei. And therefore, graves need to be marked, and the way they are marked is Basid with lime, or Mamche, and they would dissolve the lime in water, the Shefech, and pour it around the grave. So they wouldn't pour it quite on the grave, but a couple of steps away from the grave they would pour the lime in order to make sure that people notice the lime before actually becoming Tomei and stop in their tracks before stepping over the grave. And the significance of this symbol, of this mark, is that lime, especially when it's dissolved in water, is very, very white, just like the colour of bones, and so in that way it, it symbolises and represents the grave. Now Mishim Ben Gamliel returns to the discussion of Orla and Ravoi, and Omar Mishim ben Gamliel, Mishim ben Gamliel says, Why are you being so concerned that a thief who takes my produce without permission is going to end up doing an Aveira with that fruit? It's forbidden for him to take it anyway. I need to be responsible for making sure that if he does the first forbidden thing, he won't be transgressing another Aveira? That's not my responsibility. And therefore, if the only concern is a thief, one does not need to go to the bother of signaling these areas. Rather, Bamans Ramamurim, when are these words said that you do need to signal the Revoy and the Orla trees? That's Bashavius and the Shmitoyer. Because in the Shmitoyer, which comes every seven years, all one's produce in his fields become Hefka for anybody to come into his field and take the fruit. So during that year, it's permitted to take somebody else's fruit because it's considered ownerless, and so then, since it's permitted for them to take it, during that year, the owner needs to make sure that he signals clearly the Orla and the Revoy trees, so the people know not to take those ones, since those are forbidden to eat. And at least the Revoy one is forbidden to eat outside of Yerushalayim. 
Now the Mishnah ends off that although according to Shimon Gamliel, we're only concerned about preventing those people who are allowed to take the fruit from doing an Avera of eating Arla or Ravai, but we're not concerned about thieves, Nevertheless, he agrees that the Hatsunuim, modest and extra-righteous people, who want to be certain that they won't be the cause of somebody else doing an Avera, what they should do is Menichinus Hamois for Omrim. They would place down money, they would set aside some money, and they would say, Kalanilkot Mizer, all the fruit which are gathered from this vineyard or from this tree field, should be redeemed onto this money, so that when it comes to that person eating it, it will no longer be considered Netaravoi. Because as soon as he picked it off the vineyard, or the tree, it was automatically redeemed onto the money, so now that will just be considered regular chulin produce, and that way the person who eats it will not be violating an Avera. Now of course this only works for the Netaravoi, because that can be redeemed. Orla trees cannot be redeemed, and therefore there's not really any solution other than to signal the Orla trees, and to make the mark around there. But when it comes to Netaravoi, one is able to if he wants to, to go beyond the letter of the law, in order to ensure that nobody does an Avera as a result of his produce. Mishnah base, just like with regards to Maishashini, one is allowed to redeem the Netaravoi produce up until he arrives to Yerushalayim. But once he has brought in the produce into Yerushalayim, then he can no longer redeem the produce and he has to eat that produce as it is, instead of redeeming it onto money and then using the money to buy other food. Now with Rabbanon, even further out from Yerushalayim, it's also forbidden to redeem the Netaravoi. Now how, how far out of Yerushalayim is that? So the mission tells us that Kerem Revoi, Revoi produced from a vineyard, and as we explained, this would apply to other fields as well. One must bring up the actual Revoi produce as soon as it has reached a day's distance from any side of Yerushalayim. So that means that within a day's distance of Yerushalayim, as soon as one's Revoi produce has entered that area, or if it was planted in that area, then it can no longer be redeemed. And the reason for this is because if everybody redeemed their produce, that would mean that everybody would be buying produce in Yerushalayim, which means that the marketplaces would get emptied out of all their produce quite quickly. However, the produce in the marketplace is very beautiful. And it's a decoration and an adornment of Yerushalayim. And so in order to ensure that not all of the produce is taken away from Yerushalayim, and the marketplaces in Yerushalayim remain adorned with those fruit, we make sure that less people are allowed to redeem their produce, so that they bring up their original Revoi produce, and that way less of the marketplaces in Yerushalayim, less of the fruit there will be sold, and there will remain lots of fruit decorating the holy city of Yerushalayim. Now the Mishnah elaborates the Ezei Tuchumah, what exactly is the boundary of this day's journey from Yerushalayim? So Elas Menadorim, it's the city of Elas from the south. This is not the same as the modern day Elat. The Akvas Menad Sofen, from the north, it's the city of Akriva. Lud Menamarov, Lud from the west, Vahyayad Menad Mizrach. And the Jordan River from the east of Yerushalayim. Those cities are the boundary of the one day journey from Yerushalayim. Now continues the Mishnah, when the fruit, the amount of fruit in Yerushalayim increased, and there was a very large supply of fruit in Yerushalayim anyway, so they didn't need to make this enactment anymore. Even if more people were to redeem their produce and buy fruit from Yerushalayim, there would still be many leftover fruit to decorate Yerushalayim. And therefore, as Kinu they enacted, that once again one is allowed to redeem Netaravoi produce all the way up until the wall of Yerushalayim, and only once you brought it into Yerushalayim, only then would it be forbidden to redeem. Usnayahur Hadover adds the Mishnah, this matter was made as a condition. That whenever a future Beistin wanted to, then they can return the matter to what it was originally, 
when the first enactment was made, and later on they would be able to obligate everybody within a day's distance from Yerushalayim to bring out the produce itself. Now the obvious question is, why do they have to make this condition? Why can't a future basin just make that enactment? Why do they have to revert to the original Takana, the original decree? Just make their own decree. And the answer is a very important rule that a basin is not allowed to go against the previous basin's decree unless they are greater than the previous basin. And that's why I had to make this whole condition so that as soon, they, as, soon as there would no longer be lots of fruit, a future basin, even if it's less great than the previous basin, would be able to obligate everybody within a day's distance of Yerushalayim to bring up their produce. Now Rabbi Yossi argues on one thing which happened and according to Rabbi Yossi, Rabbi Yossi Omer, Rabbi Yossi says, Mishachar this condition was made when the Beis Hamidrash was destroyed, meaning that the reason why they got rid of the decree that people need to bring actual produce was not because there was enough in Yerushalayim already, rather it was because the Beis Hamidrash was destroyed and therefore there's certainly no reason to decorate the streets of Yerushalayim when it's in enemy's hands. Now if that was the reason, then it follows that what exactly was the condition? The condition was When the Beis will be rebuilt once again, then the matter and the decree will return to what it was, that everybody within a day's distance from Yerushalayim will need to bring up actual fruit instead of redeeming them. So we have seen that in many ways, Netherevoi is similar to Maiseshemi. It has to be eaten in Yerushalayim, its redemption laws are very similar. The question is, how far do we take this connection between Maiseshemi and Netherevoi, and do they have exactly the same laws or not? Now when the Torah discusses redeeming Maiseshemi, it says that one needs to add on a fifth of its value, or actually a quarter as we have explained, and the parsha of redeeming and adding a Chomesh is only spoken about in the Torah with regards to Maiseshemi, but not Kerimavoi. Now another law which is only stated about Maiseshemi in the Torah is the law of Beor, which we're going to learn more about at the end of this parak. But Beor refers to the requirement to destroy or make sure you have eaten all of the Maiseshemi by the following Pesach, by the Pesach of the following year. So if you haven't eaten it all by then, then you need to destroy it, and that is known as Beor. But again, that is only stated with regards to Maiseshemi. And therefore, Kerem Revoi, according to Beishamai, Beishamai, and Beishamai say, the law of adding on a Chemesh does not apply to it, and neither do the laws of Beor apply to it. Although there are similar halachas between Netarevoi and Maiseshemi, they aren't the same, and those laws are only discussed with regards to Maiseshemi. However, Beishilim and Beishil say Yeshloi, both of these laws do apply to Netarevoi, and Beishil learn this out of a Gzeir Shava, which is when two of the same words, or very similar words, appear in two different places, and as a result, you can learn laws from one to the other. So in this case, the Torah refers to both Netarevoi and Maiseshemi using the word Kodesh, and because of that, we can apply laws which apply to Maiseshemi also to Netarevoi. Now, another fundamental machlekas between Beishamai and Beishil with regards to Netarevoi is whose property it is considered to be. According to Shammai, Netarevoi is considered to be Momoin Bailim, the possession of the owner of the produce, the owner of the field, and because of that, just like the rest of his produce, it's obligated in the various tithes and the gifts for the poor people. And since the Mishnah is talking about Kerem Revoi, a vineyard, although the halach is applied to Netarevoi as well, since we're discussing a vineyard, Beishamai and Beishamai say, Yeshloi Peret, Yeshloi Oilelois. The gifts of Peret, which are grapes which are dropped, and Oilelois, which are grapes which are underdeveloped, not fully ripe, and those are two gifts which go to the poor, according to Beishamai, that applies to Revoi just like it applies to all other food since it is considered to be the possessions of the owner. And of course, the other gifts for the poor, such as leket and shikha, 
that would also apply to Netaravoi, Vohanim Pudmul Atzman, and then when the poor people get it, they need to redeem it for themselves and bring it up to Yerushalayim as you would usually do in Netaravoi. Because giving it to the poor doesn't get rid of the fact that it's Netaravoi, and so the poor people need to treat it as such. On the other hand, Obey Silo and Basilo say, My Sashani is not considered Momin Bailim, rather it's Momin Govoya, which means it's the possession of, as it were, Hashem. It's heaven's possession. And because of that, it is exempt from the various tithes and the various gifts for the poor people. And so Basil say, gas. You can take all of the grapes to the wine press, process it into wine, and then redeem the wine and bring it up to Yerushalayim. And that can be done with all of the grapes of the field, because no gifts need to be given to the poor.